Morning, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. I can hear you loud and clear. How are you doing? How's your How's your day been? Uh, has it been going well? How's your week? Well, it's it's going well. I I I'm an early bird. I I start. I'm in my office by six o'clock in the morning. No um, way. I, I, yeah, I am. I, I go for swim before work. Um, oh my God. Uh, very very early swim, and then I'm here partly because we work a lot with the Far East, and, and they're eight hours ahead. So I can get a lot of work done with, with China and Japan, Korea, um, before the office opens at eight o'clock. And, it, it's, it's, and I, I don't mind it. It, it suits my metabolism. Um, you know, it's mornings, right. I'm at my best for the first six hours of the day, seven, eight hours maybe. And then, then I'm not operating at 100% after that. <laughs> I, I definitely get that. You know, I've always been... Yeah, because I I used to be an early bird. Uh, So throughout university, it was kind of the morning hours were the most productive. Now I've Mm -hmm. kind of got two blocks. It's the morning and very late at night for some reason when I'm very productive as well. So I have two stints. Um, I I wonder what what does the what's the routine like of Robert Ettinger? Um, Could you maybe tell me what a typical day is like? Well, if I'm I'm working and then I I do work most of the time. Um, I, I live out in Kent now in the country. Okay. I, I used to have a flat right next to my office on the river in Putney, but um, my wife is from near Seven Oaks. And I, I wake up at quarter to five and I, I leave by five and I drive into London. Um, no traffic, that's the beauty. And then I go swimming for 20 minutes, half an hour generally uh, at the Hurlingham Club, which I've been ah, doing for 25 the years. Hurlingham Club. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. How long have you been a member there? Oh, a long time since I was a boy. I'll, I'll take so you'll you. You'll kind of go long. there for. Oh, that will be amazing. That will be amazing. Thank yeah, you so no, much. Really. I, it's, the, it's the only chance I'll get probably to see the inside of that place. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Yeah. You come over to Putney, and then we can walk across the river, and we'll have a very nice lunch on the lawns. We'll do that. So you'll kind of go there for a swim in the morning, and then what? Then what happens afterwards? So I, I get into the office and I, I have what I call my working desk breakfast, which is tends to be fairly healthy now. It's, it's fruit and, and that sort of thing um, and a, a light cup of coffee. And I, I just go through emails and, and then communicate with the Far East because they're at their desks or in their offices. And so by eight o'clock, which is now when we start, we used to start at nine o'clock, but hmm. because of COVID, we're, we've got an earlier start and an earlier finish. And interestingly it's working for everybody it means that they can get home by between 4 15 and 5 o'clock depending on where they live and they've got a bit of the day still um and so I, we probably won't change so out of covid and and, and i'm you know I, I wish it hadn't had happened but some mm. interesting things and good things have come out of it and it's been a bit of a more than a bit of a learning curve do you think that there's been, I, I wonder, and this is something I've always been very interested in because I kind of, I work in the software world, right? And very few, you know, physical products do we ever deliver. And, you know, a lot of software companies have kind of cried about the impact of, you know, COVID-19. They, they had, the only impact that there has been to the software world has been a massively positive one. Um, you know, so I don't really know what they're talking about. And I, but I wonder, where you say that, it had been a learning curve. Do you feel as though that for Ettinger, 
you know, being, you know, quite an insular question, do you feel as though that it's been more of a positive learning curve or a negative one? I I think I, I tend to always think on the positive side of things, you know, the oh, glass, a natural my, optimist. My glass is, is, is always full. Um, Amazing. Uh, and I, I think at the end of it, well, we're not at the end of it yet, but we're, we're coming out of it. We, we've learned so much about managing the business, um, our strong points, our weak points. Uh, it, 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 it's been very difficult very difficult. Running any business is difficult in any time. It's made it much harder because apart from the normal day-to-day business problems, there have been a lot more problems with, you know, people who work here, who've been ill, who haven't been able to come in. We've had to close our factory for 10 days, the complete factory, when quite a few of them got ill. But out of all that, we've learned how to cope with things. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of pleased that we have used or worked through it to the best of our ability. Mm. I feel we have done that, yes. Interesting. I'd definitely like to unpack that a little further, perhaps later on in our conversation. But I think before we get into the nitty-gritty, um, so my, my audience are very familiar with your brand, uh, you know, Ettinger. Um, and the reason is because you guys have featured on my blog a couple of times now. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because the first time I found out about you guys was actually when I got membership at Home House. Oh, um, yes. The card case of the crocodile. That's right. Brilliant. That's right. right. Um, so I got membership at Home House about four or five years ago, something like that. Uh, I think at the time I may have been one of the youngest members. I was only, uh, I would have been either 19 or 20, one of the, one or the other. Uh, and I was one of their youngest members. I'd just been accepted. Uh, they were trying to get some young members in. I got this card holder and I was like, my goodness, this is so lovely. It's so beautiful. And I, I essentially was using a Goyard card holder at the time. And this replaced that. Um, I just love the understated nature of it. It was so supple, so beautiful. Uh, and I featured it on my blog uh, and my audience went crazy. They absolutely loved it. Um, so in typical journalist fashion, I contacted you guys. I said, listen, there's been great interest. Um, and it's just been a beautiful thing. So you guys came on the, on the blog again, the audience loved it. And I thought, my goodness, I have to talk with Robert. So I wonder, you guys have got a very, very interesting history. Uh, and Robert, do you think maybe you could talk me through that a little bit, the background of your company and the, 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 the kind of interesting history that you guys have? Well, I mean, manufacturing has been in, in the blood of Ettingers for many, many generations. My, my grandfather, my father's father, um, had a, a tailoring businesses, um, military tailoring and, and, and standard tailoring in Prussia. Um, no way. In, 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 in what is now Poznan, but what's called oh, what was called Pos, Posen in those days because it was mm. part of Germany. But then um, in 1918, it was given back to the Poles and, and, and they sadly, all their stores, and it was a bit like a, a geese and hawks in a way, they came out of there and went to live in Berlin. And then in the 1930s, they came to England for a, a number of historical reasons. Um, <laughs> of and, and they, oh, uh, they decided that you know, they'd always been in manufacturing and although they didn't open a tailoring establishment, they 
went into the leather goods business. And at first they were importing a wonderful uh, German manufacturer's leather goods for a few years, but then started a factory in London uh, in the old leather area, which was between Smithfield Meat Market and the Angel Islington in St. John Street. And when I was a kid, I used to go up to the factory and St. John Street for about three miles had dozens of leather factories. And really? Still, yeah, and a, and a lot of streets. Do, do you know there. why it was that particular area that had. Yeah, because firstly, the meat market and leather mm. comes from meat. And also, in the old days, all the tanneries were on the River Thames. And, and to make leather, you have to have a lot of water. So it's like most industries, they were based where they had their raw materials. Mm. Um, and say, in, in the 60s even, the 70s, there were lots of leather goods manufacturers in this area in London. But then it became gentrified and London started to expand. This area with the factories, you know, with the hoists outside and these platforms became offices and restaurants and, and whatever. And you couldn't. We were the last factory left there about oh. 30, 30 years ago. Uh, and then what we did, we were working with a factory in Walsall, Walsall in Birmingham, not Walsall. Poland. No, yes, Walsall in, in Birmingham, right? I think that's Walsall. just, uh, that's very close to the jewellery quarter, if I remember correctly. Yeah, just north of there. And yes. that was the Midlands leather area, making saddles and leather goods. And we acquired a factory that had been going there, there since 1890. Uh, and over the next few years, transferred all of our manufacturing and production up there where it's still feasible to have a factory. Uh, and that's where we are manufacturing now. Is that right? How interesting. And I, I wonder, could you maybe take me through the kind of the tanning process and perhaps the manufacturing process as well? What, what goes into creating, you know? A beautiful thing like like this, for example, good leather, yeah, which is the uh, the, pil the pill case I've been using. It's lovely, isn't it? I wonder who made it. Oh my god, it's, it's really something. <laughs> yeah, look at that. What does that say? Oh, that's something, isn't it? You know what, Robert? I I wonder what can you can you tell me what what do you feel when you when you see something like this and you see the family name on there in this beautiful kind of you know hot stamp? Um, uh, I'm guessing this is some kind of silver leaf or something like that. You know, what, what, what do you feel inside? Well, I'll, I'll come back to the, the, the leather side and the manufacturing side, but there's a little story which pertains to exactly what you've asked. Um, sure. I, was, I go to Japan once a year on business. Uh, we, we're, we sell in over 100 stores in Japan and have our own store there. And, uh, and in Japan, um, everybody knows Ettinger. It's the strongest brand away anywhere in the world and I was leaving our hotel to go to the airport and a very young bellboy came up to my room to collect my luggage he can't have been more than 16 or 17 in a beautiful red outfit with a little hat and on my luggage are the Ettinger uh, luggage labels with the name on it and wow. he took the luggage and went downstairs and the luggage went into the boot of the car and then when the boot had closed, he got out of his pocket an Ettinger wallet and no. said, Mr. Ettinger, I am your greatest fan. Now, that's when you think, wow, that's incredible. A young guy of that age had, had 
spent a lot of his money on a on an Ettinger wallet, and it, it brought it all home to me. And it was yes, it was a lovely feeling. Um, yeah, it was amazing, good. amazing. You know, I think I think in in particular because I I actually didn't know that you guys were so hot in Japan. Uh, so I've had almost an unhealthy obsession with the Japanese um, for a while now. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know trying to learn their culture and. I think you'd agree with me, uh, Robert, but that the Japanese seem to have this unbelievable ability to anything they decide they want to create or purchase, they become obsessive about it. And, you know, every detail uh, about everything needs to be just right. It needs to be just perfect. And I don't think there's anyone else in the world that does what they do to the level that they do it. Um, you know, the Italians have their thing and the English have our thing and when it comes to manufacturing and design, but the Japanese, they really do have something else and something very special. So I think when someone native of that country who says, I've just bought your wallet or, you know, I have something from you guys, that truly is a testament to how extraordinary that product is as far as I'm concerned. So I think, my goodness, what a great compliment. Yes. I mean, their attention to quality and detail are extraordinary. And I think if any company uh, who makes things uh, can sell to Japan than they can sell anywhere in the world because the quality has been approved by by the Japanese and, and, and you know, they take it to the nth degree and rightly so. Um, they're very, they, they love beautifully made products. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. And actually the, uh, the to kind of support that as well. So it was uh, when I first featured the Ettinger wallet or Ettinger rather, I uh, realized I've been pronouncing it wrong the entire time. Um, when I first featured that wallet, uh, the card holder, uh, my Japanese uh, view- readership went through the roof. Uh, it went uh, it quite went quite crazy. And I think what had been happening is that some of my Japanese audience, so I have quite a, um, uh, I wouldn't say substantial, but qu- quite a respectable readership in Japan because of the brands yeah. I deal with. I deal with a lot of Japanese brands. Uh, the glasses I'm wearing today are J- Japanese um so you know it's 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 one of those things and i thought it all makes sense now it's probably because of that card holder why the japanese became so interested because they were very familiar with the brand and i think that's quite extraordinary um but getting back to the other question that i asked with regards to the manufacturing uh i've always been very interested in the tanning process and uh so the, the, the place where I'm from, in, uh, where my family are from, rather, uh, in Pakistan, uh, called Sialkot, yeah. uh, is a very, very small um, industrial town. And the three biggest industries over there are sporting goods, leather, and surgical equipment. Uh, I think 98% of the UK's NHS surgical equipment comes from this tiny little town. Wow. Um, uh, they're the second largest surgical equipment supplier in the world and the number one sporting equipment supplier in the world. Um, and I remember as a child, when I went there for the first time, you would drive through this road and there were tanner, uh, there were tanneries on either side and you would have to hold a tea towel to your mouth because of the smell. Um, but I was still extra, just amazed at the scale of what was going on here. And I've always been very interested in this. So, you know, is there anyone else better to ask than yourself? So I'd, I'd love to learn. Well, the, the tanning process has, has changed a bit. Um, mm. But, I mean, of course, we aren't tanners. The tanners, is, or being a tanner, is a completely different uh, profession to manufacturing 
leather products. Mm. We buy our leather from tanneries and we okay. buy where we can in England, or if not, we buy in, in Europe uh, from the very finest tanneries. We visit the tanneries. Um, some of them we even go to to select the raw material to make sure it's the very best possible. Um, and modern tanneries are a lot cleaner than they used to be. Um, sure. They're, they're no longer <laughs> like, like you remember from your yeah. hometown. I mean, but, it, was, uh, it was pretty rough stuff, to be complete. It was pretty, yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. So now it's a lot cleaner. I mean, partly, well, not partly, mainly in Europe because of, of the European Union insisting that uh, what, what one can't use as many toxic chemicals or any mm. toxic chemicals um, and things have to be more sustainable. Uh, any water that's used has to be cleaned before it's put back into the in, into the system. So it's very strictly controlled, and and we control it very strictly as well for our own business. Um, you know, our, our green credentials are as good as you can get. So we go to the best tanneries to select the finest skins, be it um, from from cattle or from sheep or from goat. Um, and then it comes into our factory fully tanned and coloured. Uh, and then we will cut it into the shapes. And I mean, a, a, a wallet or a purse might have as many as 50 components. Um, really? You know, oh, yes, it, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, every little pocket, every credit card pocket not only has a leather, it's got the lining for the inside. Mm. So it, it, it's, it's quite an arduous process. Then it's all cut, and then between cutting, the leather is then split to the right thickness. So the outside of the product is always slightly thicker because it has more wear and tear, and the inside pockets are slightly thinner, and that's done on the splitting machine. But then between the splitting machine and the final manufacturing process, which is the stitching, it's all done by hand, 85% is done by hand and that's where the skill comes in the total mm. skill is turning and gluing and hammering the edges and, and making it look a perfect product and it takes up to five years to train one of our team in the factory to be able to do this to the level and skill that we we, we need from them unbelievable unbelievable i mean i th so i think i think this particular item uh is uh one I've really been enjoying uh, using, which is, I, th I think this is goat skin, right? Uh, if I remember correctly. Which item is that? I... So this is the, yeah. uh, uh, the cap, whoops, this is the, uh, the Capra. Um, oh, Capra is a goat skin, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a great story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we used to use a lot of goat skin in the 50s and 60s. Hmm. Uh, and then it, it went out of fashion slightly, and we didn't make. Why anything. so? Why do why, why do you feel as though that it kind of went went I, went, went I, out of fashion? I don't think there are that many tanneries making goat skin, so hmm. it was supply and demand thing. And it was only about six years ago we thought, look, let's try and work in it again. And we found hmm. the same factory who'd been making for us back then uh, in France and visited them. And, and went through the process of selecting what type of skins we wanted and the colorways. And, and now it's becoming one of our most popular collections, uh, which is fantastic after all these years. Oh, it's got, it's, it truly has got a really beautiful characteristic to it, uh, I, I must say. You know, there is, 
there, there is something you know subtly exotic about it i think it's probably the way yeah. that i would say um the other the other leather i've been very interested in and essentially is what i've been using every day since i received it is the and it's it's what's replaced the home house card holder that i had which is your bridal hide card holder yes um now i've been very interested in bridal hide for a while now uh and this was as a result of a conversation i had with a swain adney uh luggage maker um and uh, he was talking to me about bridal hide and i was very interested i was wondering first and foremost why did you guys decide to use bridal hide and uh you know what are the what are the characteristics of it that you know you, you essentially you chose it well i mean bridal hide is used to make saddles for horses basically mm. and in fact the story is the factory we bought in birmingham which has been going since 1890 mm. used to predominantly make saddles for horses uh, so they had the bridle hide on the outside and saddle, and then the underneath of the saddle, which sat on the horse's back, was called panel hide, which is the yellow colour inside your bridle hide product. And panel hide is vegetable tan, so it's tanned without any chemicals. Mm. So that when a saddle sits on a horse and the horse gets hot, none of the chemical there are no chemicals to eke out onto the horse's back. And then in the 1900s, when the motor car came in, horse riding largely disappeared and Mm. there wasn't such a need for saddle making. So the factory had all this bridle leather and all this panel hide and they were saying, well, what are we going to do with it? Great idea. Let's make purses and wallets and and Mm. bags and things. So, And we are still making that collection and it's still one of our most popular collections after all these years. It's Isn't quite incredible. Right? Yeah, it really is. Um, and the only thing we've changed, it used to be black outside and the panel hide, yellow inside. Mm. We've now made the bridal hide in lots of colours, black and green and, and blue and this sort of thing. So we've added colour to it, which is what I think is all about, a bit of colour, um, but still going strong. No, it's a, it's a really beautiful material. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Shell Cordovan. Um, uh, the kind of the, I, I, I believe it's um, colloquially referred to as horse butt leather. Um, it, it is, yes. Um, yeah. Very, very uh, amazingly. Um, uh, we, we have worked in it, but it's, it's oh, quite... Oh, you have? Yes, we have. Um, particularly in, in Japan, we've made some products for them because the Japanese love Cordovan. It's quite hard to get hold of really good cordoban because it's in short mm. supply. I think there's only probably one decent supplier of shell cordovan, which I think would be Horween, uh, if I if I remember oh, correctly, oh, the the tannery in Chicago. Your Horven, I think it is in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. the best and the most famous of the cordoban manufacturers. Mm. Yeah, because it kind of reminds me of that. Because the, the bridal hide that you guys are using has got a very nice natural sheen to it, uh, which yeah. reminds me very much of the uh, uh, shell cordovan uh, shoes that I have. Yes. Um, so it's 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 a truly beautiful material, um, Robert. So as I mentioned, I was I was having a few conversations with some luggage makers uh, from way back when, right? And th- these guys have retired now, and they they don't work anymore. And the, the stories that they were telling me about when they were working, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, they would talk about stories of people coming into their shops and, 
they were coming in and the father would walk in with their son and it would be their son is going to become a barrister now and they wanted to buy a new briefcase for their son and all this sort of stuff and it was a very kind of you know uh generational thing for them that's not really the case anymore and could you maybe talk about how you've seen the industry industry change ever since you kind of first got involved in the business and where you see it now and where you think it's going in the future yeah i think some of the more heavy cases uh although we still make them are, are not being sold in the quantity that they were 40 50 60 years ago i think there's a lot of more modern materials which are more practical and are lighter uh, and just more flexible than, than these hard-sided cases. And, and they are taking over. Um, it's a weight issue. You know, they were so heavy. And I think everybody's aware now that you know we don't want to carry around too much weight. Um, how's it moving forward? I mean, we're we're adapting, working with new materials. Of course, you know, we've had to, I mean, it reminds me uh, when we were making wallets in the 30s, the wallets didn't have any credit card slots because credit cards didn't, were, were not there. And, and, you know, even 25 years ago, the cases we made didn't have uh, pockets for iPads and iPhones, whereas now we've got to adapt everything to fit these sort of products into them. Mm, makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's really funny, though, how many how many of these more traditional companies that I do talk to that are absolutely hell bent on the hard sided luggage. They really want to push that. They think it has a really interesting place today in the market, which I think it it does. But I think you're right. I think it's a significantly smaller side of the market. Um, yeah. I spoke to one of these luggage makers. I'm not going to name any names, but they said we will never make uh, a laptop sleeve and we will never make a rucksack. Uh and I thought, I don't know, I think you guys might be missing a beat on this, to be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, we've even adapted some of our hard-sided attaché cases to take an iPad or a similar really? computer. Yeah, we have a pocket in the lid. And, you know, in all of our bags, you know, we, you can't sort of put this aside. This is a fact. We've got to live with these new products and the ever-changing electronics um, so I think very much we, we look at it when we're designing a new product, we see what needs to fit into it and how it fits into it easily and practically. Interesting. And Robert, are you in, are you involved in the design process uh, of your, of your items? Uh, kind of what, what, uh, and if you are, I wonder what is the process that you guys go through for designing products? Well, we're not, we're not high fashion. We, we don't have spring, summer and autumn, winter collections sure. like fashion business would. We bring out new products on an ongoing basis as and when they're ready. And we test everything. I mean, we, we've some of our bags, um, I personally take them on business trips and see how they work. You know, are okay. they practical? Are they real world easy? testing? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we test things for six months and, and, and we make about five or six samples and give them to people within our organization and say, use it. Uh, and then sit down and see whether it really is working or certain things can be changed and be improved. And I think that's so important. Um, as far as design is concerned, we tend to sit around our showroom table. and We have sales, marketing, PR, manufacturing, 
uh, and our graphic designer. And we all put our pennies worth in because mm. we're not, you, you, you can't reinvent the wheel. You know, uh, a purse or a card case, they still have to hold certain size of products. They have to hold credit cards and visiting cards and, and, and these sort of things. So we can't go too crazy. We're not like maybe handbag manufacturers. You could put mm. on chains and whistles and, you know, make it a crazy shape. Um, we can't do that. Um, um, we don't want to do that. We want to innovate. We, we want to have interesting designs and colors. Uh, and we want them to be practical above all. They've got to work. That's the most important thing. Interesting. Interesting. And when you kind of look at the, the current collection that you guys have, which is fairly expansive to be to be completely honest and it's um, yeah. uh, it's it's actually really a, a lovely thing it, it really is and i think you guys have got you know fairly niche products on there like the pill case for example which to me i actually don't understand why it is a niche product um i think it's actually very applicable to today's world uh you know everyone is carrying around supplements people are having more vitamins and stuff like that you know people should be carrying one of these and yeah. I used to have one of those rubbish plastic ones that uh, uh, that I was given. And my goodness, I mean, talk about an upgrade. It's a really beautiful thing. And you have more, you know, I'm guessing popular products like your card holders, like the luggage and whatnot. And when you kind of look at that and you think back, is there anything out of that range which really sits fairly close to your heart and maybe triggers some interesting memories? Um, maybe something that was a bit of a challenge to make or you know, had some interesting times testing the product or something like that and or maybe performed better or maybe performed worse than you thought. Uh, is there anything that comes to mind? Yes, I think our watch roll and, and soon to be watch rolls because our existing watch roll holds two watches, but we're designing some new ones at the moment which will hold either one or three. I, I, I have a few watches that I inherited from my grandfather and family and, mm. and I do... I think for a man, a watch is, is, is like jewellery. It, it, it enhances yes. what one is and how one looks. And so when I'm travelling, I take my watches. And I know there are watch rolls out there on the market, but I wanted to design something that looked good and worked. And the problem I had is that some watches are very slim and mm. some of the newer watches are quarter of an inch or more thick. And I wanted to design a watch roll that could take all of these things and it took us a long time to get it right because the the round pad inside that the watch strap goes around has to be exactly the right size for any size of watch mm. uh, and and you have to have the adjustments on the closing lid so that it can accommodate the thinner or the thicker um, and it's a product that i use all the time um, I, I keep watch rolls at home and I travel with them, and, and it's something that has worked, and it's become a really successful product. It's one of our best-selling gift ideas at the moment. You know, that's really quite interesting because the, 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 the watch roll is something I've been extremely interested in. So I, I have a few watches. I'm, I'm actually over the moon to hear that you're kind of a watch man. And I, I, what, what, kind of, what watches do you have? Which, which ones in particular you, um, do you have an affinity towards? Um, well, I've got uh, I've, I've, there's so many. Here. I'll bring out a couple. Amazing. Uh, I mean, this one here is from my grandfather. It's oh, a 1915 Eterna. 
Wow. So it's it's over a hundred years old, um, and it's a watch I love. And I got um, somebody I know to make this beautiful strap, which is made of two pieces of leather. Um, and and interesting, the watch has to have a very thin strap because the pieces at the end to take the strap are only half as wide as a watch, unlike most watches. Do you, uh, do, do, would you, would you like to know, uh, Robert, why the lugs uh, are like that? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a watch nut. I've been for years. This is a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why the lugs are so thin, and this is kind of a little bit of watch lore, I guess. It's a little bit of myth, uh, but yeah. it's generally believed to be the case. So back then. Uh, watch manufacturers were making significant amounts of pocket watches. Yes. Uh, and what happened as the pocket watch became less and less fashionable, they were lumbered with all this stock. So they, right. they decided mid-manufacturing to essentially convert pocket watches into wristwatches. And uh, they attached these tiny, what they call wire lugs uh, to the watches. And many manufacturers were doing this. So that's why the lugs are so small. That makes all the sense. That absolutely, 100%. Thank you. Now I know. Um, that's why I had to have this strap specially made. It's um, a beautiful strap. It's very sporting. Is, is, was that made by you guys? Did you kind of get one of your craftsmen to make that? Um, yes, we, we, we did. Yes. Killer. Are you ever going to make a watch strap by this? Is there going to be an Ettinger watch strap in the future? Well, we could. Our factory in, in, in Walsall used to make watch straps, um, but it's become a bit of a specialised business now. Mm. And, and, and we're so busy doing what we're doing. I think we're going to leave that one for the moment. Mm. What, what else have you got? This one here, this is, they only make 55 pieces. And I'm trying to look at the name of it. Um, it was a gift. Um, it is called... Lettering's so small. It's a Swiss movement, but they, as I say, they only make 55 pieces of it. I don't know if you can see. It's difficult. I can't see, but it's a very, very <laughs> handsome piece. It looks like the a nice vintage piece. But, but look at the thickness of it. Oh, that's a big so boy. That's why our watch rolls have to be, and compared to this, mm. have to be able to take all sizes of watch. So is your watch, watch roll, actually, if I could just show you the watch roll that I've been using, and maybe if you could just tell me if it's, um, if it's around the same design, because there's, there's two types of watch rolls. So there's, there's one which is a soft kind of pouch, very similar to your jewellery roll. Um, ours is no. Ours is more of a solid with a pouch inside. Um, I will, I will okay. get them to bring one up, and then I can show you. Um, cool. Let me, let me grab the one I've been using as well. Give me a moment. Sure. By the way, I've, this watch is called Radayon. Wow. Oh, yes, I'm familiar with the brand. Yes, yes, yes. R-A-D-A-I-L-L-O-N. And I was given it as a gift. So, What a lovely gift. My goodness. My goodness. So this is, this is the style of watch roll that I've been, uh, that I've been using. Yeah, um, okay. Similar. Okay, that's a lot nicer. This is, this is, this is, I, I'm going to put this one away now. <laughs> and, and, and what we've done, the, the hard thing was, is to get the size. And this is the pad. And wow. we've created this piece in the middle that separates the watches. So when you've got two watches on it, 
they can't hit each other. Yes. Yeah, that was a massive problem with a watch roll that I used to have, which was essentially just a cylinder cushion. And during a transit, my watches would bang into each other. It was very sad. And then this is, and it's very simple, because it's got my large watch in there. Mm. You have to put the closer on the second button. But ah. if you take out the large watch and you just have something smaller, then you can go to the second button. Look so at that. Ingenious. It's simple, but it's practical stuff that matters. So that, you know, when you're traveling, it works. Um, and no, it's, it's a great product. And that's why we're bringing out in May a triple version and a single version as well. Wow, 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 wow. And what material have you used for that, um, uh, uh, Robert? This is the Capra Goat. Is it the Capra Goat? Why have you gone for yeah. that one over a calf leather? Um, it, it's hard wearing. Mm. Um, and and it, it just, we just, we've fallen in love with the Capra leather. It's just now our favourite leather. And it's just, it just works. Hmm. No, it's 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 far far nicer than the one that I've been using. I've actually been having a lot of problems with this. So I was I was sent this by a brand uh, to kind of test out for them. Uh, it's got a couple of a uh, couple of my watches in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can see. Um, yeah. yeah. It's it's okay. You know, one of the biggest problems that I'm finding is because these watches are fairly heavy. What yeah. happens is it all comes unbuttoned and the the thing goes loose in travel. Uh, and I've essentially got, you know, a £40,000 watch rolling around in my bag. This is not an ideal situation to be in. I have a motto, keep it simple. As soon as you start to complicate products, it just doesn't work anymore. Keep it simple. That's what we've done here, and it works. Yeah. No, I actually really like some of the design affectations that you've made there because... Um, you know, when I when I gave my uh, when I gave my feedback on this particular role, um, you know, essentially all of those things have already been addressed in the design that you've created. Um, I wonder how, how long were you guys testing this product before you and how, how long typically? I mean, I know you said around six months or something, but for this particular product, how long were you guys testing it? How many uh, how many trials did you run it through? Well, I mean. We te often test things for six months once it's been made and, and virtually perfected, <laughs> just to oh. make sure it, it is totally perfected. To get to just about the stage or close to it took about six or seven months. We made about seven or eight different samples, different thicknesses, the different quality of the inners inside for the how much it can squeeze down, but you, we made it at first, it squeezed down too much, too easily. Mm. So we had to find a different sort of foam that was a little denser. I mean, You're you, kidding me. You wouldn't believe the work that goes into something as simple as that. You know, you think you just press a button and it pops out of a machine. No way, Jose. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. No, I, I really do love it. And I think... I, I think as men are starting to understand, you know, because I, I, I recently did an episode essentially about how men can wear jewellery, right? You know, a guy can wear a ring, a watch. Uh, you know, I wear I wear one of these. Um, uh, you know, I have been wearing this. I haven't taken it off now for, I think, four years or something. Um, you know, I enjoy expressing my personality through these things. I'm not... I, I know my limits. I'm not Johnny Depp. You know, I can't walk out with a... Uh, 
uh, with an arm full of bracelets or anything like that. That's no. not that's not how I roll. But no. uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I love watches. I've been very you know I've been very fortunate to have some very interesting timepieces. Um, uh, I, I kind of caught the bug from my dad. My dad was big into watches. Um, my goal was to have a nicer watch collection than him. Uh, that was uh, my goal for a long time. Uh, and uh, I was lucky. Uh, I was able to do that fairly quickly. Um, but uh, it's it's one of those things. And you know what? As guys are starting to realise that they can do these things and it's actually a really satorally elegant thing to do. Um, watch rolls are a huge thing now. It's a massive, massive market. Uh, and uh, have you, have you guys kind of seen that reflected in your sales figures for that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's becoming one of our most popular products. I mean, obviously, purses and wallets and what we call mm. flat goods are our biggest seller um, on credit card cases. But in terms of the gift items, this is very, very popular. Mm, makes sense. I mean, it's the perfect gift for for the guy in your life that likes a watch, right? Exactly, yeah. Mm. I wonder... The other thing I was thinking, uh, Robert, is has there been anything that you guys have released, you've put effort in, you've designed, and you kind of had a thought at the back of your head, you're like, mm, I don't know how popular this is going to be, and then it's released and it surprises you how it's performed, uh, maybe bewildered you a little bit? Well, you mentioned before the pill case. Um, um, I mean, the, the, the very quick story behind that, I was having a breakfast with a friend of mine, um, and he brought out the plastic pillowcase that he bought in one of the chemists mm. with the inners that we're still using. And I, I, he took his pills for whatever it was that morning. And I said, you know, that's a horrible plastic case. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but, you know, when I go into the chemist and I buy, buy, that's what I'm given. And I said, okay, next time we have breakfast, I'll see what I can do. So we, I went and bought one of these things and we, Basically, you've got to copy the case because it's got to hold the innards inside it. Mm. And we produce what we're selling now. And I gave it to him at breakfast and he was so chuffed. Wow. And initially, I was just going to do it as a gift for him because he'd been really helpful to me in business. And he was a bit of a, a mentor. And then I walked away from, the, from our breakfast and I thought, well, why don't we make these and sell them? That was about mm. seven or eight years ago. Oh, we're selling a lot of them now all over the world. And it's, as you say, it, it's just, if you've got to take pills, why not have them in a nice container? And that's what we do. You know, honestly, there's there's nothing worse because so many of my friends now and, you know, this is really becoming a really hot thing within the tech world, um, uh, uh, Robert. You know, people are supplementing uh, like crazy nowadays because people don't have time. No one has time. Who has time? You know, this is uh, the time, as far as I'm concerned, is the most valuable commodity in the world. Uh, that's what we pay for. That's what we trade in. People think we trade in money. We we actually trade in time. Money is the only way that we can ascertain its value. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those things. And, you know, people don't barely even have time to eat. I mean, sometimes I go for days, uh, you know, for, for an entire day and I realize, my goodness, I, I haven't eaten and then I end up eating at 10 o'clock at night. Um, so for me to be able to carry all of my supplements in this in a beautiful way, you know, I would always feel embarrassed when I'm at a uh, I'm at a dinner and maybe after I eat, I have to take my uh, my vitamins or whatever it might be. 
you can't, I can't tell you how proud I am now that once I'm at a dinner, I reach into my bag, I pull this out, I'm looking if anyone's watching me, I make sure someone is, and I pull it out and I give it a little flash and all this. It's, it's a lovely thing. It really is. And I, th I think this is one of the beautiful things that you guys are doing is you're, you're making everyday things like pulling out a card from a wallet or, you know, setting a bag down on the chair next to you or taking your pills uh, or your valet trays, you know, you're taking your rings off or your jewellery, if you're a woman, whatever it might be, and you're putting them into your trays. You're making your everyday mundane things into an occasion. And that's what I love about what you guys are doing. It's 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 really making me value the, the small things that I do every day. The things I didn't value before, I value them now, all thanks to your products. Great. Now, that's, that's good. I mean, one of the other products, have you seen our folding shoehorn? I have not. I can't no, believe I haven't. I'll, I'll, I'll get one up and show it to you on the... Yes, please. I'd it, love to see a, it. It's a product we've been making for many years. Gennaro, could you bring a folding shoehorn up in the case? Thank you. Folding. Yeah, um, I'll share it to you. You'll understand what it is. But we've been making this folding shoehorn that goes in a little pouch for many years. Mm. Uh, many, many years. And it always ticked along. But now that when you go through security at the airport, you often have to take your shoes off. And yes, all the time, see, in fact. And then at the other end, if it's a nicely made pair of shoes, if you haven't got a shoehorn, you're damaging them because you're pushing down to get into the back of them. You'll so, ruin them, yeah. Yeah, so our folding shoehorn, and it's coming up the stairs as we speak, not on its own. Um, <laughs> if, if it came up on its own, then I, <laughs> I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, folding shoehorn. Here, boy. Here, boy. Thank you. Right, so. Oh, look so at that. That's little, smart, little isn't it? And then you open it up, and out comes the shoehorn. Oh, Robert. And it unfolds. Oh, my they, goodness. A little shoehorn. And I must say, when I go through security and everybody else is struggling to get these shoes on, I mean, not trainers, because people just slip into them, but decent shoes, and out comes my little folding shoehorn <laughs> watching me. And I, I, I play a bit of a game, you know, I'm sort of like a clown. Um, and they put me with my little shoehorn, and then I make a point of going like that. Yep. And putting it in the case and then into my pocket. People, and, then, and then they lock me up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's great. I mean, so I like you. I, I play on these things, you know, like you with your pill case. Yes. But it's, 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 it's a bit of fun as well. Yeah. It's it's a lovely thing. And, you know, I think that you, you should be proud of the things that you have. Right. I mean, look at that. That is just such a beautiful thing. And it's ingenious as well. And it, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's got style and it's just beautiful. It's got character, you know, it's, and, got, and it says and I, and, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Robert, the things that you have, the things you carry with you. It says so much about the owner, no? You know, yeah. it, says, it says so much about the individual, what they care about, what they don't care about, what they value, what they don't value. It says so much about the person, I believe. I, I agree. It's like dressing. I mean, if one, and I'm not saying one is always in a suit and tie, but if one dresses well and interestingly, people look after you in a different way. Whether you're walking into a shop 
or a hotel or you're checking in or on the air in the airplane. I mean, I'm not talking about traveling on EasyJet or on yeah. but you know, if one's traveling long haul or you turn up at the hotel reception and you've got everything, all your booking forms in a nice leather folder, I, somehow it makes a difference. You know, I think human beings respect beautiful things still. And I think it's, it's changing to be even more so. I think people mm. want something to be nicely made and be enduring and last uh, and all of these things. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Actually, I'll tell you a story that supports what you just said. So I was at dinner uh, last week with a few of my friends and um, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a sushi restaurant, if I remember correctly, in East London. And we'd all gotten together and we were having and it came time to pay. So uh, the waitress came over and we all put our cards uh, in the middle of the table for the for the waitress to kind of take and take payment. And I pulled out the bridal hide uh, card holder and everyone else had pulled out their thing out of some shitty wallet or whatever it might have been. I can't remember what it was. And I pull out this yellow kind of thing with the black uh, leather. And the woman kind of looks at me and she says, oh, where did you get that from? And I looked at everyone and I was like, there we go. There we go, chaps. This is this is how it goes. Okay. Get some Ettinger stuff. Okay. This is how it goes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it does make a difference. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Um, you know, I I I goodness me, I, I cannot tell you how many people would actually really benefit from that shoehorn though, because when I used to travel, uh so I would go to um uh, conferences and stuff like that um so short haul flights and uh with me i'd wear my dress shoes because I, I at the time i would have to be dressed in a suit and all this and uh, i used to have my bloody business cards and i would use my business card to slip into the back of my shoes and to kind of lumber my shoes on it was horrendous it was such a terrible thing and it made me look like an absolute idiot but yeah you know i think that's a great idea i love it and do you did you kind of have that idea because of a need that you needed filling? Uh, and do you think that maybe that's a lot of your product development is you realizing, hmm, someone I know could could enjoy this or maybe I need this in my life. I'm sure other people would agree with me. That's how a lot of our ideas come to fruition, not just my ideas, but we sit around the table every six months or so. and We brainstorm about new ideas. Uh, I ask the team to look through magazines and publications before the meetings to come up with up new ideas, gift ideas. And every year we bring out a handful of things that are different and, and just a bit nicer than what you can buy at the moment. Um, mm. And it seems to work for us as a business. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Robert, I, I have to say it truly has been an absolute pleasure uh, to be able to sit here with you today and albeit virtually, um, you know, learn about the brand, learn about the company, learn about yourself um, and kind of connect over these things. It's really been a lovely thing. I've, I, I feel as though I've had a had an absolute masterclass. Um, it really has been terribly, terribly enjoyable. Well, thank you. And it's been a pleasure speaking to you and an enjoyable podcast. And um, yes, let's be in touch. Amazing. My final question, Robert, would be, do you smoke cigars by any chance? I don't. No, no. I do you have any don't. interest in smoking cigars? Um, 
I'm not against it. I, I, I think if one's going to smoke, I think smoking cigars is, is, is an amazing thing. Um, I've just never been a smoker myself, so it, 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 at all. Um, but we used to we used to make cigar cases. We don't anymore. Um, beautifully made sort of sliding leather cases that, that held cigars of any length because they were sliding into each other. Um, we still got a few of them. Do you smoke cigars? I do indeed. I do indeed. Uh, I'll tell you a couple of things once we finish this recording. But what I will say is that when we meet in person, I will come armed with two cigars, one for yourself, one for me, and we will we will have a cigar together and it will be a lovely occasion. Sounds good. No, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Thank Amazing. You. Thank you, Robert. Have a good one. Thank you.